wonderful show is keeping up with the Joneses. AJ Jones, you look amazing. Thanks, baby. You got new clothes, new hair. Yes. Well, technically not new hair, same hair, but same just hair. colored and styled. Yes. It's been a good week. It has been an amazing week. We're going to get to why it's a good week in a second. Mm-hmm. But first of all, we're going to catch up on our week from the top. Yes. From the very top. You taught on boundaries this week. Yes, I did. New and improved boundaries. Mm-hmm. Six hours of boundaries teaching our poor students. I keep forgetting that a lot of people haven't heard the message of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so it's a foreign concept that you have a no and you can use a no. Right. Especially if you've been in ministry, it seems like. Often people that have been in ministry, or maybe our higher responders, have a hard time with the boundaries message. And to be fair, a lot of our school are first language responders, so they were just in in paralysis at what I was saying. But I can't wait to see the freedom that comes from them. I think that the value of boundaries is you become a truer version of yourself. Yeah, because you actually get to say no and yes to the things that you want to say no and yes to. Yeah, and the concept is that boundaries enable you to give sacrificially. Mm -hmm. I think there's a a dilemma over the years where we feel as Christians we should do things. But should doing things and choosing to do things are a world apart. One is things being taken from you. The other is you voluntarily giving it. If you have no clue what we're talking about, Check our show notes, and we'll put a link to our Boundaries podcast that we did. It's a good primer. And then we also have some teaching on Boundaries that you can download too. But anyway, that was Monday and Tuesday. We had guests staying with us this week, which was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. But the big event of the week was that it was your birthday last Friday, but some friends of yours decided that having one day to celebrate your birthday wasn't enough. And so on Tuesday, they surprised you. Tell us what happened. I was actually just about to leave the school building to go over and get some work done. I had made a plan for all the things I was going to get knocked off my list. Like a good shaper. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was in the back hallway and somebody came and got me for some nebulous thing. And actually, even before that, you had tricked me. I did? Yes. Because you said, babe, I really want to make sure that we go in tomorrow in time for worship because sometimes we're, you know, we're missing the first 10 or 15 minutes of worship. And I was like, okay. He's like, I just, you know, I really want to be, you know, I want to be in the game. I'm like, okay. So we get there at nine and you're not in the room for worship. And I remember looking around going, dude, you said you wanted to be like in the flow and you're not in here. And I thought, oh, you're probably just doing other stuff. And you, you know what I mean? But it did occur to me, hmm, that was strange. And then I asked like Sarah Pape to fix my hair and she was doing like extra time on my hair. And I was like, oh, I really don't care. No, I mean, really, it's fine. I'm sure it's good. And she's like, no, no, just let me fix. And so it all came together when all of a sudden Cindy said, "Uh, AJ Jones, can you come up here? And I went up to the front and everybody clapped. And I thought, oh, this is sweet. They're going to sing. And it's early because my birthday isn't for another four days, but that's fine. So they were all clapping. And then Grace came in carrying a bag and a jar of cash. And I was like, oh, that's so, like, that's so nice. They bought me a gift and they're giving me a jar of cash, you know. And Cindy had purposely had them delay, you know, so I saw just the one person walking in. And then as soon as Grace put the bag down in front of me, 
I saw this line of people walking in and there was like 15 or 20 people walking in carrying various sizes of things. All with gifts. All with gifts. And we have video of this, which we'll put a link to in the show notes, of you doing the best ugly crying I've seen in a long time. Oh, I full on ugly cried. Yeah. I mean, I think once the second or third person and I sort of looked down the line and realized there's this huge line of people, I just started bawling. And at one point I considered running out. (laughs) because i was like i don't know how to process this i I don't usually get surprised by people and yeah so um and so they they brought in two big gifts at the end and cindy said you know just open this last one and so as i'm leaning down to open the last one and which was an ipad um and the keyboard and the pencil and everything like the money to get the iPad, the new the, iPad pro because it wasn't pro. released at the time. So right. you got everybody chipped in and they got you enough money to buy you an iPad pro, mm-hmm. the new smart keyboard yeah. and the Apple pencil. Right. So that's going to help a lot with all my like illustration stuff and creative stuff. And uh, so I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And then I don't know why, but in my head I was like, clearly all the rest of the bags and boxes are decoys. decoys. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all empty. And, so I was like, thank you, you know, thank you for that and whatever. And then Cindy was like, okay, well, can somebody pick up all this stuff and put it back in a, AJ's office so she can open it? And that was the first time it occurred to me that there was actually stuff in all the other stuff. And so I bawled again. And then I spent most of the morning crying. Well, it was fair to say you were in a certain amount of shock. I really was. Completely Probably undone. for two or three days. Yes, yeah. Completely undone. Completely undone. Because your primary love language is gifts. Yes historically birthdays haven't been banner moments for you. Right. For various reasons. I shut down my heart in expectation. At a girl. I know it's not a good thing, but I do. I prepare for, you know, birthday and Christmas by just lowering my expectations so I can't be disappointed. And it's so much fun to be around somebody like that. Right. I know. Just suck the life right out of everything. uh And then Cindy and all of your friends behind your back just were to surprise you. I wasn't involved in it really at all. I got a phone call to say, We've got some cash here. What do you think she'd like? And I was like, mm, she actually, you talked about the iPad Pro way before I ever brought it up. And I thought, she did mention the iPad Pro. And I'm honestly not trying to influence this. Let me revisit with her to see if that was real or imagined. Mm. So I kind of coyly inquired um, under the guise of, what would you like? You know, would you like me to buy you this? Is this something you're interested in? And bless you, you went away and prayed about it and journaled about it. And, and you were like, actually, my heart would love that i want to be more creative and so you were thoroughly surprised yeah and then we actually got it the it it launched on wednesday for pre-order we pre-ordered it wednesday and there was a rumor that the stores might have them on friday and we got one for you on friday without you knowing and it's beautiful it's huge enormous yeah but it is stunning it is beautiful the screen is exceptional yes but the sound quality is unbelievable it really is i don't think i need to watch anything on the 60 inch tv anymore well, yes, that's fine with me. More Mario for me. Go to your room and watch your iPad Pro. Could be gone. And then on Friday we had a like I had a girls' birthday party. Just invited a bunch of women and we had dinner and it was awesome. And you had your favorite sushi. I had my favorite sushi and more presents. I totally didn't expect more presents because but talk to us Tuesday. about your power tool obsession. Okay, so I've fallen in love with the Anna White website. And she's a woman in Alaska who builds all this stuff. 
And so she she gives you plans to build like Pottery Barn kind of stuff and whatever. And I just thought, okay, we've we've for example, we've been married for how long now? Almost eleven years. Almost eleven years. We still don't have a bed frame. Right. Right. But we do have a bed. Like we have something we sleep on, but we just don't have bedroom furniture. That's because all our expendable income goes on Apple products. <laughs> right. Or, you know, paying things off or whatever. Yes. And so so we can't ever justify like spending two thousand dollars on a bed. Right. Um, but she gives you the plans and you know, to build the kind of bed that I would want would actually cost about $150. Well, that's different. That's doable. And plus, you're a very handy person. I am. Like, you are really crafty. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you love, when we got married, I did not bring anything to the table hardware-wise. No. You had all your drill bits and your <laughs> drill kit and I tool bag. All the and, you know, you had everything. <laughs> I didn't have anything. I, I'm an expert in the digital realm. You're the expert in the hardware realm. So. Yeah. This is just all of your love languages come true. Yeah. And a lot of, like, not a lot, but I have some really good memories of my dad from when I was little, him working in our garage, which was made into a shop which, with power tools. Um, I do believe that our garage is going to be turned into a shop. Well, we'll talk about that later. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll schedule an appointment with you. So it was a great week. It was a really, really great week. And I'm looking forward to building stuff. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. Oh yeah. Our kids have been to the same preschool, all three of them. Michael John's in there. And the guy that comes and takes their preschool photos does an amazing job of making the kids actually look good and smile. And that's awesome. I don't know what he does to them. I, I have it's, no idea, you know, but it's hard magic. To say. Yeah. And so on Saturday, we got them all dressed up and we went to get them all, you know, photos for Christmas cards or whatever. And... For whatever reason, it was just less hassle just to get the kids done. And even though we were wearing matching clothes, we never got our photos taken. So we went to the factory for a reason we're going to talk about in a second. And I thought, we'll just find somewhere and take a photo with an iPhone. Mm -hmm. But who do we bump into but our good friend David Molnar, who is an amazing photographer in his own right. Outstanding. An outstanding professional photographer with Mm -hmm. a portfolio that is astonishing and has worked for Fortune 500 companies and pop stars, rock stars, and he's a legend. But last year he wrote a book called iPhone Photography. And so we thought, who better <laughs> to take an iPhone photo for our Christmas cards than David? So we latched on to him and he was gracious enough. I said, David, this is equivalent of somebody coming up to me in public going, hey, could you pray over my friend? So would you mind taking a photograph? And of course he was only Very too gracious, happy to do yeah. that for us. The reason we went to the factory though, AJ, was why? Because Five Daughters Bakery opened their store in Franklin. Five Daughters Bakery is run by our friends Isaac and Stephanie Meek. They have five daughters, hence the name. And if ever there was a spiritual gift in a bakery, Isaac would have it. (laughs) Yes. I haven't tasted anything he's made that wasn't astonishing. Oh, yeah. So good. And so they've opened their first of two stores in Mm -hmm. the Nashville Franklin area. This one in Franklin at the factory. uh, $12 is right inside the factory, right inside the main square. They made 1,400 donuts and sold out with them in about two hours. Yeah. Gone. We got there just before 11 or just after 11 and they were all gone and they opened at 9. Unbelievable. Yeah. And they're opening a second location in the 12th South area. Yeah, in the next couple of weeks. In the next couple of weeks. Just yeah. well done, guys. You, you've done an astonishing job. And then today for your birthdays, if things could not get better, they dropped off how many donuts? 16 donuts. One for every year? I, I don't know yes, how that worked. that's right. I'm only 16. Yes. 
<laughs> so thank you for that. But anyway, all of that is fascinating. But the reason we're here is to pick up our conversation about life languages from last week. Yes. And we have none other than a bona fide life language expert with us, Mrs. Allison Hendrickson. Woohoo! Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> we're so excited that you're here. We can't believe you're giving up your Sunday night to come and talk life languages. That's how much I love you guys. Oh, well, <laughs> one of the things that we can genuinely say about you is you absolutely love life languages. I do. When did you first get into it? Well, funny you should ask that question because I think I can blame it totally on you guys. I think so. Oh, yes. It was our fault. It was yes. your fault or your responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> but you've always had a passion, as long as I've known you, for this kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Like communication, personality understanding interpersonal behavior all that sort of stuff yeah because yes. i think the first meal we ever had with you you were like look at the square the squiggly line yes. or the whatever and you're like pick this oh i'll tell you this and whatever and i was like wow yeah i've been a, i think i've been pretty much obsessed with understanding the way people work and the way they communicate pretty much all of my life like i know my shape my color my animal i even took a thing on facebook where i found out my disney spirit animal oh well, no spirit princess okay wow. look at you pocahontas wow, wow. of course yes. <laughs> and so you discovered life languages first as somebody who got their profile done. And I don't let me put words in your, your mouth, but I remember being at the seminar that we, we were all at. And you had this major breakthrough slash meltdown in the best possible sense of that word. Yes. What was that about? What happened in that moment? Well, backing up a little bit, when you guys first got here, I was just finishing up my master's in corporate communications. So I just spent the last couple of years just studying every communication and personality profile out there. So I went into it going, I'm really excited about learning more, but I'm probably not going to learn that much because I right. just, you know, researched all this stuff. So getting into that first seminar, it just blew my mind because for the first time I'm like, oh my goodness, I make sense to myself and not feeling like I was put in this box of you are this, therefore you're not this. But here's this 3D snapshot of the way that I think, the way I communicate and the way that I approach the world and the way that... I approach other people around me and it just, it blew my mind. I think the biggest frustration that we have on the other side of the revelation of life languages, you want all your loved ones to do it, mm -hmm. but understandably their reluctance is, I don't want to be pigeonholed. And it's very hard to explain, you're not going to be pigeonholed. Right. How, oh, how have you found a way around that? Like in, in your, because this is what you do for, part of what you do for a living is you're a certified mm -hmm. life language trainer mm -hmm. what do we call you yeah certified yeah. life language trainer so you must meet people all the time either in the business world or with the clients that you work with who perhaps are reluctant to begin with how do you get past the i don't want to be pigeonholed uh, i tell people that instead of putting them in a box it's going to give them a foundation to stand on see nice. that's a master's in personal communication <laughs> drops <right there>. the <laughs> mic <laughs> that's why i have letters after my name that's right <laughs> and before you know mrs <laughs> right. Those yeah. are the best letters. Was that a radio laugh? No, that was a genuine laugh. <laughs> yes. I had to work out what MRI stood for. <laughs> My work here is done. I can go home now. <laughs> Matching ring scenario. That's so it's it. not a box to be... The, say that saying again. It's not a box we're putting someone in. It's a foundation we're giving them to stand on. Brilliant. Yes. Yep. That's a great elevator pitch for what it is. Listeners, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, it might be a good idea to pause here, go back and listen, because we explain a little bit more. But Alison, did you get a chance to listen to last week's episode? Yes, I did. And is there anything that you wanted to correct? <laughs> I asked that a little bit scared, because we're just enthusiastic amateurs, and I knew that you would be coming on the show, so I was trying to pick my words carefully. 
Was there anything you need to undo that I said that was incorrect or AJ said that was incorrect last week? Well, let me take a look at my bulleted list here. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the only thing would just be to underline again that it's not a test because a test puts you in the category of you can either pass or fail or there's some answers that are better than other answers. So this is a profile that's going to give you a snapshot at this point in time of what your communication style and preferences are. Right. So did I say do, do the test, the online test or something I, like that? Yeah, I think at the very end you might have dropped that <sighs> four-letter word in there. But for the most part, everything else was awesome. And to be fair, it is remarkably painless. As long as you follow your instructions of go with what feels right. I mm-hmm. think the danger, and I, this must be my third or fourth time completing the profile. I, AJ and I retook our profiles this week. And I remember sitting there and thinking, but I don't know which which one I... And then I remembered just... Go with your gut. Go with what feels better to you. Mm-hmm. And it took me about 15 minutes. Yeah, this is, I've taken it four times and every single time I have to remind myself, just go with your gut and don't start overanalyzing because I like to overanalyze things. So Allison, tell us, what are the seven life languages? So before we even talk about the seven different life languages, probably the number one thing to remember is everyone has a filter. And we imagine a filter is like wearing different colored glasses. So you've heard of the saying, seeing something through rose-colored glasses. Right. So anything you look at looking through those rose-colored glasses is going to have a rose-colored hue. So you should, could show me a sheet of white paper and tell me this paper is white, but if I have rose-colored glasses on, I'm going to swear up and down, oh no, that paper is a nice, you know, light pink color. Right. So every one of the seven life languages has a different color filter, a different type of filter. So one of our challenges is to learn what our filter is and what our needs and passions are, and then to learn what that filter is of the people that are around us. Right? Which is a huge deal. I mean, just... Think about marriage relationships, mm-hmm. like the amazing conflict that could that could be eradicated just by understanding, oh, I forgot that you see this differently than, than I do, or between a boss and an employee or kids or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, that in itself is incredible. Yeah. So looking at each of those filters with the different life languages, we have all seven of the languages are broken down into three different categories. First, we have the kinetic category, which are the mover and doer. And those are the languages that approach life first through movement, and then they go on to either thinking or feeling. Okay. Then we have the emotive category, which are the influencer and responder. And those are people that are going to approach life first through their emotions and feelings, and then they'll go on to either think about that or they'll go on into motion. And then finally, we have the cognitive languages, and those are the shaper, producer, and contemplator. And those are the people that approach life first through thinking, and then they go on into either movement or emotion. Now, I'm going to ask you a loaded question that I know the answer to, but it's a question that I'm sure everybody has at the back of their head. What's the best language? There is no best language. And that's confusing for people, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that's probably one of the biggest questions I get every single seminar is, what's the right answer? What's the wrong answer? What is the best thing? What should I strive to be? Because I've I've had friends of mine do the profile and be disappointed with the results because they weren't the language they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's insane. So the ultimate goal is that you want to be the best version of yourself and the best version of who the Lord created you to be. And so there's no possible way then of saying, qualifying that one language is better than another as long as you're being true to that and going after what true authentic identity actually is. Can I ask you another question? Yes. Let's say my true, who I really am is more emotive in nature. Mm -hmm. But I, for example, work in a workplace where that's not a cultural value. A cultural, cultural value is an action or a kinetic oriented language. 
are you saying that doing a life language profile and it helps me understand, hey, I'm more of a feeler, but I can learn to be more of a kinetic spoken language. Mm -hmm. That's not false or fake or contrary to me. That's just me practicing good communication. Is that right? Yes, that is so true. Because when you know yourself, then you can make those choices and the powerful choices to be able to control what your actions are or... Um, the way that you approach things. And so that's really a powerful choice to say, in this situation, I'm going to professionalize instead of personalize. I'm going to set that emotion aside. I'm going to value it. I'm not saying it's any less, but it's not appropriate at this point in time. All right. Do Did we talk about some of the, I think we did this last week, but it's probably worth a, a revisit to them. Is there a way that you could summarize the languages you know, each language gives some of the defining characteristics of what those languages look like? Yes. I'm putting you on the spot. Go for it. All right. Well, let's start out with the kinetic category and we'll take a look at the mover life language. Okay. So movers are, they're people that approach life first through motion and then they go on to either thinking or feeling, usually probably um, feeling first and then thinking. And movers are about 7% of the population that have that life language as their primary or first life language. And the filter or those glasses that movers wear and the way that they see life and the way that all incoming communication gets filtered through is the filter, what is your motive? So if you're talking to a mover, the unconscious question that is constantly going to be playing in their mind is, well, why why is that person asking me that? What's their motive in asking that? Or what's their motive in doing the action that they're doing? Now, is that motive suspicion or... Because when I hear, what's your motive, I immediately think that is a negative filter. Mm -hmm. And that's a great question because, and I can see why you would ask that too, because your mover isn't one of your top life languages. Right. So that's not, that filter question is not going to be something that you naturally just resonate with. Right. So a healthy, healed up mover is going to ask that question completely from a neutral neutral perspective. Right. They're just going to say, well, what's the motive that goes along with that? A mover that is in distress or someone who is unhealthy or unhealed up might have something that's attached to that. Okay. But uh, if that's going on, they need to listen to some of your other podcasts and get that fixed <laughs> first. <laughs> One of our good friends, Ben, his highest fluency language is the mover language. And of course, that traditionally has been my lowest language. And so it's interesting talking to him, you know, about like, hey, well, you know, when you're thinking, what's your, what's your motive? He had a brilliant description where he's thinking, well, part of what's happening in my heart Alan, is I'm brewing an excitement like, oh, this could be awesome. You know, I wonder if we're going to be co-joined in this venture. It wasn't mm-hmm. from suspicion. It's from, you know, it's excitement and just checking that I'm not wasting valuable emotion on something <laughs> that might not come to pass. Mm-hmm. It's still, it still is true because they would be looking at it and going... What, what's the motive behind this? So do I want to join with you in this? Because if right. they're not interested and they don't think it's innovative and exciting and the kind of cutting edge, then they're going to be bored and they're like, let's not waste any right. energy on it. So that filter is, what is your motive? So once you've spoken through that filter, you've gone through those red glasses that a high mover is going to be, be wearing. And then again, remember that we're looking at each of these languages under a microscope. So no person is only one language. Okay. So if you're a high mover, you'd probably identify with a lot of these things. If you're a moderate or a lower mover, you probably would identify with less. The need that a mover has is action and congruency. So they want to know that what you're doing and what you're saying is lining up. And they're going to be consciously or unconsciously, I should say, watching that all the time because they want to make sure that that's another kind of something that shows what your motive is. So the passion that a mover has is to innovate. And one of the character strengths of movers is courage. They're incredibly courageous people. A lot of times you'll see them in jobs like 
um, a fireman or Marine or someone who's right in front of the, the action, you know, jumping into action before they think, before they feel. And so they're great. A lot of times in emergency situations, a lot of times you'll see them as an entrepreneur because they're not going to spend all the time researching. They're just going to say, hey, I have this idea. I want to innovate. Let's go do it. We'll build the framework later. Uh, some of the other major characteristics of movers is that they're innovative, they're forceful, and they have high standards. And an interesting thing that I find with them is that on the outside, they don't appear to be terribly introspective because they're always on the move and they're just, they're the people that are really visible. They're not the kind of people that generally get ignored, but they're very introspective of asking that same question to themselves of what are my motives? Am I living up to what the standards that I see um, should I should be having for well, myself? That's like an amazing insight. I wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. They can be incredibly hard on themselves. Wow. <sighs> All right. Talk to me about the doer language. All right. The doer language, about 25% of people have the doer as the their first or primary life language. So they're another language that approaches life first through action, and then they'll go on to either feeling or thinking. Um, their filter is, are you doing your share? So when you're talking to a doer, that's that filter that they're experiencing. All that incoming communication and all their outgoing communication is going through. Their need is appreciation and action. So they're not like movers where they're going to be out in front and really visible. They're the ones that are behind the scenes getting things done. And they won't ask for attention, but they're, they're people that really need to know that you see what they're doing, that you appreciate it, and that it's valuable to you, and that you're going to come alongside and do what you can to do your share too. For a number of years, I was most fluent in the doer language. And whenever we, we quite enjoy having people over our producers, which will come to later, uh, are, are fairly, uh, we're fairly fluent in it. So we love hosting parties and having people. But as a first language doer, for many years when I'd be filling the dishwasher, the, I would be aware of that filter of like, seriously, you're just going to sit on the sofa. I've just entertained you in my house. You're not even going to offer to help. And when people would come and help, or even if they didn't help, but just, you're doing a great job tidying the buoyancy of my heart would rise <laughs> and I'd notice I'd get increasingly frustrated when people weren't helping or weren't noticing that I was doing things. <laughs> I'm married to a high doer, so I, I understand what that looks yep. like in action. It's one of my lowest languages. So so have you just learned to throw Marcus a bone? But you're doing a great job. I don't mean that in a bad way, but but consciously saying you're doing a great job. You're doing a, Because it really mm-hmm. does work. Not I'm not talking about manipulating a, a doer there, but it really does help their heart and encourage them as they're doing brilliantly yes. to notice. I have definitely noticed that our our 12th wedding anniversary is next week. Yay. And our entire marriage, it's always been his job to take out the garbage every week. And every single week, he wants me to notice that he did it and let him know that I saw that he did it, that he did it on time, the right night, and I appreciated it. Are you sure you're not talking about my husband? <laughs> that could just be men in general. I don't, I don't know, but I, I try to I make a conscious effort. And I have to be conscious about it because that's not, since my doer is a lot lower, that's not something that I naturally think about. I just right. think, since I'm a high shaper, I think, well, that's your responsibility. Like, why do I need to... <laughs> Suck it up. Yep. Just get on with it. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> like, I can make a list of everything I did today that I don't, you know, I don't expect to have somebody compliment me for or notice. But since I know that that's a core value to him, then I try to consciously notice it and right. say something to him because I know that it means And it's a lot not that there's something wrong with him. It's just a defining characteristic of his f- most fluent language. Yes. And that's helpful to distinguish because yeah. often in an A.G. and I's marriage, for example, 
we will get stuck on there. Well, why why are you thinking like that? And that's why do you need to be thanked for every little thing? You didn't thank me for every little thing. Yes. But you don't need thanked for every little thing. You need support and agreement. <laughs> don't get too far ahead Sorry, of Sorry, I'm just too excited. Okay, when we get to the shaper, you gotta remind me to tell you a story about the two of us to kind of sh- contrast the shaper and the Okay. All right, continuing on with the doer. So the passion of the doer life language is to finish. So to them, to leave a project partially done to go on to something else is a horrible sin. It's not just a, oh, I you know got sidetracked. It's like, no, it, I have to finish this. So sometimes doers aren't great at following schedules because they'll get caught up in a project and not realize the time that, that passes. Right. And they have incredible energy to continue going until something actually gets done. So at night, Marcus, my husband, does this all the time. He'll be working on a project and I'm tired. I crash. I'm like, you know, I'm going to bed. I'll see you early in the morning. And he's totally fine with just staying there working on that project until he's completely finished. And I've gotten up at three o'clock in the morning and seen him still out there working because he's going right along with that strength of I'm going to work until I have this completed. Right. Which is incredible. And doers are amazing. You can... When they start working on a task, you know that it's going to be done with excellence and then it's going to be completed and you're not going to have to check up on them. And that's a defining characteristic of Marcus, your husband, who works at Grace Center as the director of technical ministries. Anything that ends up on his plate, he just does brilliantly. And you never have to worry if it's going to get done if Marcus is on the job. Yeah, you don't even have to think about it once it's on Marcus' list. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Which goes along with the character strength of doers, which is trustworthiness. Mm. Uh, major characteristics of the doer are that they're practical, diligent, and detailed. All right, let's go on to the emotive languages. So first, let's look at the influencer, which is the first of the emotive. So they approach life first through their emotions, and then they move on to thinking and motion almost concurrently. Okay. So influencers account for about 13% of the population for their primary life language. They are intuitive, inclusive, and enthusiastic. They're pretty much the life and soul of a party. Yes, they are. Yep. They are the most wonderful people to have with you if you're going on a really long road trip. Filters. The filter for the influencer life language is are we communicating? So they want to know whatever's going on. They want to know that you're being heard, that they're being heard, and that we're all being heard together and communicating well with each other. Their need is affirmation and connectedness. So that communication isn't just about talking. It's to affirm people, to encourage them, and to feel connected with people around them. The passion of influencers is to encourage, and their character strength is enthusiasm. Oh my gosh, yes. Responders account for about a third of the population, and a full 70% of people have responder in their top three languages. Good so, night. Wow. Yes. So if there's any language that you want to practice speaking, if you don't have natural fluency in it, it is the responder life language. Wow. Yes. Which totally makes sense because that's the language of love. It's that filter of caring and of nurturing and of loving on people. So this is the language where if you're not sure what language somebody is, you're always going to go well if you start out speaking responder and move on from there. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Responders are compassionate, they're creative, and they're passionate people. So their filter is, do you really care? So a great thing to say about responders would be, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
The need of responders is unconditional acceptance. So they want to know that you're going to love them and care about them no matter what they do, that it's not based on performance or earning something. But that bottom line thing is that you love them, that you care and that you're just, that's just it. Wow. Which again, makes sense. That's 70% of the people I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their, pa- <laughs> their passion is to please. And so going hand in hand with that, it's they want to know that they're pleasing to you and that who they are and what they do and what they bring to the table, really, it, really the core of who they are is pleasing. And so letting them know that you really care and that you are, that they have value is going to just speak so much to them. The key character strength for responders is compassion. So a great example of a responder would probably be someone like Mother Teresa. That's an extreme example. That would be an extreme example. But for someone who's a high responder, especially a healed up responder who's operating out of the identity of love, that it would be a natural response to them. Wow. Yeah. We have some, we have some amazing uh, responders on staff at Grace Center and they just, they stand out. Mm-hmm. And like Michelle Vouders or Tony. I mean, they're just responders to the max, but they love well. Yeah, they really do. It's incredible yeah. to watch. Yeah. Endless enthusiasm for love and compassion mm-hmm. with, with very little thought to personal cost. Yes, that's so true. An interesting comparison between influencers and responders is an influencer is going to cheer you on and be like, they're going to be your greatest cheerleader. You can do this, you can do this. But after a while, if they don't see change, they're going to move on to someone else who they think is actually going to respond to that. Whereas a responder will get down in the dirt with you and right from your level and be like, I'm going to love on you and believe in you until you can do this. Wow. Okay. All right. What comes after the responder? After the responder comes the shaper life language, which is the first of the cognitive life languages. So they approach life first through thinking and then they go on to either movement or emotion. So often a high shaper will actually tell their emotions what they're going to feel. So they have to feel first and decide what they think about how they feel and then they'll start feeling what they feel. AJ, does that sound familiar? Oh, that sounds absolutely correct. AJ, for the record, is a 90-something percent. 93.04, I think. Wow. Percent shaper. So it's not unusual for what, the moments when AJ does emote for AJ to not know why she's emoting. Yeah. I remember one time we were driving down the road and you do all the driving in our relationship and I looked over and you were crying. And I was like, babe, what's wrong? And you're like, I don't know. I'm just crying. I haven't worked out why yet. (laughs) I was like, dear God, you're a cyborg sent from the future. I love you. (laughs) And that probably goes hand in hand with your contemplator a second, right? Yes. So the the two of them will play together much like that. I've experienced the same thing because those are my top two also. I knew I liked you. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you were pretty excellent. (laughs) Can I interject on that point? Because you you guys are joking about that. But is that that a real thing that people with similar languages are drawn to other people with similar languages? Or is that neither here nor there? I, that's a really interesting topic because I've thought about this a lot. I think that there is a certain amount of draw because initially like she makes so much sense to me that way. But I've noticed looking at my closer friendships, most of my close friendships are people who are high responders or influencers. But isn't that just because 70% of the population, you, you know, you yeah. taking any sample, there's going to be more responders than not. True. But that's still a responder in the top 
three languages. Right. So only a third of people are going to have Responder as their number one, okay. their primary life language. Where's your Responder out of interest? Right now, it is my fourth. Okay, so it's, still quite high, mm-hmm. and, and you're right fluent in 50. it. Okay, so you're you're fluent in it. That makes sense. Okay. It's interesting. Over the last couple times I've taken my profile, my responder went way up when our daughter was born, and then it has dropped back down a little bit. But people that I'm in close relationship with say that they're actually experiencing more, me more as a responder now than they used to. And I think a lot of it is just the more that I'm practicing all the different languages, the more I naturally pull that up when I'm in a, interpersonal time. Right. Whereas if I'm on my by myself or I'm in total task mode, that responder is. It's just not, it's way, way down. (laughs) It's having a nap. There's a misconception, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, you just used an example there. For example, when I'm in shaper mode, um, you know, forget me speaking the responder language. But often, just because you're in shaper mode doesn't mean the motive of why you're in shaper mode isn't love. Exactly. So I'm very diligent in my doer language when I'm preparing stuff. But the reason I'm preparing is out of deep affection for the students I'm about to teach. And I think sometimes there's been a misunderstanding that only responders love. It's just everybody loves, but your love looks different through your languages. Is that right? Yes. And that is so beautifully put and so important to remember because it's so easy to start labeling people as you are this or you are that. And we have to remember this is just looking at a snapshot of their preferred method of communicating or looking at the world. So your motive or the reason that you're doing something is going to be, you know, different different things to different people. But just because your responder is lower, like in, in your case, doesn't mean that, that that underlying love is not the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Which right. knowing you and knowing you, what's it been now? Six years, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I can definitely say that that is exactly how I would experience you. All right. The filter for a shaper is, do you have a plan? Right. And I think probably during the first seminar I went to, this was about the moment that I started to have this light bulb, well, light bulb, aha moment of, oh my goodness, this gets me. Because all of my life, that has been my constant question to anything that's happening around me. Well, do you have a plan? Or what is the plan? Do we have a plan? Can I make a plan? So the, the shaper is looking through that filter with everything. So even if a shaper is on vacation, they still want to know that there's a plan to relax. And maybe there's a plan to have no plan, but that's still a plan and they're probably going to be happy with that. And it's totally <laughs> innate. It's yeah. not something a shaper decides to do. It's always there. There's always a plan or a need for a plan. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel weird to us at all. At all. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have a question from one high shaper to another high yes. shaper. Do you view life... In time segments. Like, yes. I pretty much view my day in 15 minute segments. And in my mind, I call them units. So I kind of assign, like, oh, that's going to take me two units of time to do that, or three units of time. And they're 15 minute increments. I'm telling you, she's a cyborg from the future. <laughs> don't anger it. Whatever you do. <laughs> well, I don't call them units, but... (laughs) Is that because you're human? No. You're carbon-based. Well, I (laughs) I hope I'm human. (laughs) But I have all my adult life looked at my time during the day in 15-minute increments. See? See? It's a beautiful thing. We're having a moment. Yeah. The warm fuzzies right now. And then what's bad is because my doer is quite, quite up there. I will then, with my doer filter of, are you doing your share, I assess it based on units. Of course. 
Of course. <laughs> so I'm like, you think you did a task, but it was a one unit task. I did a three unit task. And so we are not even. At this point, could everybody who's <laughs> listening please pray for me? Ah, <laughs> yes. Yep. So let's look at the needs of a shaper. And oh, please. that way, Alan, you're going to know even Clinical more. care? <laughs> Perhaps. I was going to suggest a stiff drink, but I don't know if we can say that. <laughs> coffee. Or, yes. No, not coffee. No. That's the last thing a no. shaper needs. <laughs> All right. So what a shaper needs is support and agreement. That's so they right. Wanna, they want to know that you support their plan and that you agree with their plan. Their passion is to lead and they have patience for the plan. Not necessarily the people involved in the plan, but the plan itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. most shapers are going to have you know, a plan for what they're going to do this morning and this afternoon, tomorrow, this week, the month, the year. They probably have a two, three, four, five, ten, twenty. 10, I mean, I'm thinking about what I want to do when I, when I retire someday. And that seems quite logical to me. Yes. Yeah, how many units is that way? <laughs> Several. <laughs> a lot. So shapers are going to look at that overall big plan, big plan. So like a do comparing a, a shaper and a doer, doers are looking at what needs to happen right in front of them. So if they have a list, there's probably going to be just a few things on it that they can complete in, you know, maybe a morning or maybe a day. Whereas a shaper, their list is going to include, you know, much more units. <laughs> it's going to be a much a much larger time segment. So comparing shapers and doers reminds me of when my husband and I first got married and we got back from our honeymoon and decided, okay, we got to go shopping. We don't have any food. We're just moving into this, you know, teeny little apartment. So I'm going, all right, well, we got to do this. It's a necessary evil. We'll make a list. We'll check it twice. We'll get in. We'll get out. We'll get on with it. Whereas my husband, who is a high doer, is looking at it going, this is going to be a shared experience. And so we went in for that first day of shopping. And at the time, his responder was also quite high. So it was just all about, you know, we're caring for each other. We're spending this time together. We literally went up and down every single aisle in the entire grocery store. We compared brands and prices, if we had any coupons, and what kind of you know, flour did his family use growing up, and what kind of flour did my family use, and what kind of flour were we going to use? <laughs> and by the end of literally, I think it was like three hours. It felt like three or four weeks to me. We... <laughs> We leave the store. <laughs> the whole time, you know, we li- well, we leave the store, and he's going, "Oh, honey, wasn't that wonderful? We just shared this experience. We're creating this life together. I feel so loved. This is amazing." And I'm going, "Does my husband even love me?" Because we just we look at things very differently, and I really thought there was something wrong with him. <laughs> You're thinking, "I need to find a, a shallow grave. I need a place to hide a body. This can't go on." <laughs> And then I went to that first seminar and learned about how, you know, the shapers are having that long range plan and doers are all about the practical needs and the things that are right in front of them. And I realized we were just two ships passing in the night. Right. And suddenly after just one seminar, I went home and went, there's nothing wrong with him and there's nothing wrong with me. We just really approach life in two totally different ways. And if we can make these two things work together, we're going to be dynamite. Right. All right. So. Producer life language. Producer is usually the most rare of all life languages. Only about 3% of the population have producer as their primary life language. Wow. So that's a, they're a rare breed. They're the unicorn tiers of life languages. Basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So their filter is, are you managing your life? So they want to know that you're managing all the resources that you have, 
your time, your energy, anything that you have responsibility for, they want to know that you're going to manage that really well. So they tend to be financial, hospitable, and resourceful. Their need is appreciation and quality gifts. So a lot of times their love language would be be gifts. So gift giving, gift receiving. They want to know that the gift that they're giving is going to be something that is high quality and uniquely suited just for that person. Wow. Do they like to receive the same types of gifts as well? They often do, yes. Right. So a lot of times they love to have people over. They love to, to take care of people. And they just have an appreciation for things that are excellent. That makes sense. A high producer will often manage their life that way. In fact, out of any of the life languages, they're the ones that are most likely to retire with financial dignity. So a lot of times they have a really natural way of dealing with finances. Which, coincidentally, about 3% of the population retires with financial dignity. So interesting if there's a... That is interesting. Yes. Uh, The key character strength for producers is resourcefulness. I'd say so. Yeah. All right. The final life language is the contemplator life language. So they're approaching life first through thinking, and then usually they feel, then they think, then they do some more feeling, then they think, and then they may move on to action. (laughs) About 10% of the population has contemplator as their primary life language. So the filter that they approach life through is, am I interested? So a higher contemplator, if they're not naturally interested in something that's going on around them, will probably retreat inward and start thinking about something else. So they may have to be telling themselves, I am interested in the things that are happening around them to make sure that they're staying engaged. That was my later adult life. I think once I found this out, I was like, I can coach myself. I'm interested. Remain interested. I'm not interested. No, remain interested. (laughs) Don't be thinking about, oh, look, I'm not interested. Oh, I'm going to go back to being interested. I think having an iPhone helped my contemplator enormously. Because in those idle moments, in those downtimes when I'd retreated, I could just, you know, entertain myself. And then that would give me enough juice to come back into real life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's like a crutch or a strategy. To rejoin the population. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I think it could be both. It depends on if you're trying to use it to escape or... I don't like you anymore. Keep oh, going. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes the truth hurts. He's probably going to edit that part out. No, I'm going to keep that. <laughs> All right. Moving on. The contemplator needs personal space and quality time, which is a really interesting dichotomy. And sometimes it can be a little bit of a challenge to even know what they need because they'll be like, oh, you know, I need some I need some space. And then, oh, you know, actually, that was maybe a little bit too much space. Now I need some quality time. Uh, In fact, someone we know who's a really high contemplator, his favorite way of spending time with his family is that they're all together in the living room, reading a book or the newspaper, doing something on their phones, but they're, they're physically with each other, but not necessarily interacting. Sounds like (laughs) ideal. That is us. I just want to be in the same room. I don't care if we're getting our work done on our computers or whatever. As long as we're in the same room, I'm fine. Absolutely. (laughs) Their passion is to know. So if they're interested in something, they want to know everything there possibly is to know about that. And if you ask them about it, they will happily share with you all of those details. So a lot of times they make really, really good teachers because they have so much information kind of at their fingertips. And out of all the life languages, they're the only one that has any correlation with higher IQs. Mm, Wow. Is there any correlation between male and female with or any statistics? Not that I know of, but something you'll see a lot of times with contemplators is that they'll have facial hair. I was going to say, they have beards. 
often, yes. Which yeah. my theory Hopefully is... Hopefully not the women, though. Yeah if, yeah, if if you are a woman you can and you have that, you should probably talk to somebody about that. Yeah, that would be good. Yes. My theory is that the beard gives them a little bit of extra space between them and the world. <laughs> yeah, it's an interpersonal buffer. Yes. I could see that. <laughs> that was very comprehensive. One thing we missed, though... Go on. ...is the key character strength of loyalty with uh. contemplators. They are extremely loyal people, and often they'll have friends for life. That that was very comprehensive. Thank you for covering that. One of the stories that you told about Marcus and yourself, but you know the story about you getting married, going to the shopping. I would imagine that, and when you when you're stuck with another human being, like you are in marriage or at work or whatever, there's bound to be conflicts. So one of the things you've taught us over the years is the tool called crosstalks. Can you explain what a crosstalk is and how you work them out and and what it does for you? Yes, I love crosstalks because as a visual learner, in which this will be the, the challenge is describing something that I can't actually show everyone. Who's we listening. can put things in the show notes. Like if you've got you know, images that we can uh, link to, just send them to me. We'll put them in the show notes. Perfect. I've got to link them. So the, the incredible tool of a crosstalk really gives you a 3D picture of what two profiles look like next to each other. Okay. So if you're going to construct a, a crosstalk, you would draw two vertical lines and give dashes on them from 1 to 100. I would, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40. Sure. And then you would line up each of those life languages side by side. So, for example, if you're, you know, your shaper is a 93 like AJ's, you'd put a little notch at that 93 on one of the vertical lines. And then you would take the other, the language and draw the the shaper line at whatever that number is and then draw a line between them. So you end okay. up getting this picture of what those really look like, which is really interesting thinking about what both of your profiles look like set up as a crosstalk because your top through languages are the same. So you would think, oh, you know, they're, they're going to be, that's going to look the same in application. But when you put that in a crosstalk and you can see that, you know, AJ's shaper as her first language is, I think it's like 25 points higher than right. your shaper, then you can see that actually she's going to, that filter is going to be that much more intense or that much more clear in the way that she's following the characteristics of the shaper life language. So we re profiled ourselves this week what what are the results uh, did you have a chance to look at them and find out if there are any changes in us i did and interestingly enough when i put both of those profiles side by side and did the crosstalks you guys only have four crosstalks between the two of you so to find out how many crosstalks you have after you have drawn all of the different languages along those vertical lines and draw the lines between them you count the number of times that a line intersects and then you take it times two since there's two people involved right and that tells you how different or how similar your life languages are so a lower number more similar a higher number less similar exactly can you extrapolate that a higher number means there's more opportunity for misunderstanding and conflict Yes and no. If you okay. have a higher number, you're going to be more different. So you're probably going to have to be a little bit more intentional in understanding that the other person's filter and their needs and the way they approach life. But you'll probably have less blind spots where you have languages shared be between you that are much lower. Talk, talk, explain to me blind spots. Well, for example, with my husband and I's crosstalk, we have some some big crosstalks with like my shaper being really high, his shaper being low, and vice versa with the doer. We both have mover low. And so since those since those both or since that's low for both of us, it means that that could be a potential blind spot. So we have to be a lot more aware of some of those characteristics of the mover to make sure that not only are we communicating with people around us, but we know, okay, so 
you know, movers are more innovative. They're on the front edge of edge of things. They're taking more risks. We are not naturally. I see. Okay. So we have to make sure we pull that mover up to, to be able to accomplish different things. To be more well-rounded to. So looking at your crosstalk with you being that much more similar it doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to be easier or harder. It's just you have to be aware of the fact that you're going to have a lot of those similar strengths, but you might have some of the similar blind spots or weaknesses. Right. So having two high shapers together is brilliant if you guys both have the same plan. Mm-hmm. But if you have differing plans, <laughs> sparks can fly, but not quite the kind that that's you might the, be looking that's for. That's the first couple of years of our marriage right there. <laughs> yeah, that was before we had any understanding of this. But even to this day... If we have differing plans, you're at, you know, you hit the nail on the head on that one. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's trying to process not who's got the better plan, but how it works. I because think, clearly I have the better plan. Mm-hmm. Well, but in all seriousness, you know, one of the traits of a shaper is they don't have to lead if there's somebody who's leading well and is a mm-hmm. strong leader. And so, you know, you naturally have a much higher shaper than I do. And so you are concerned about, typically in our in our life, you're concerned about things I don't even care about. And so it's to your benefit that you get to shape those things. Yeah. And I don't care as long as they're being done. Yeah. So how would somebody do their own crosstalk at home? So you would draw two vertical lines side by side. Yep. And then put your hash hash marks on there for 10, 20, 30, 40, up to 100. Yep. And then you would start with one person's profile on the left and just mark each language next to whatever that number is. And then do the person on the right. And then you would connect each language together. So shaper with shaper, responder with responder. Then you would count the number of times the lines intersect and take it times two since there's two profiles involved and that will give you your number of crosstalks. Wow. So you can have anywhere from zero to 42. Wow. Good night. Mm-hmm. And we have four. You have four. So we actually have two multiplied by two and we have four? Yes. Wow. Wow, that's staggering. Yes. It'd be interesting to see because we've got all our older profiles have they gone up or down? I'd imagine they've gone down. It's actually changed a lot. I think that one of your first crosstalks that I saw, maybe from that first seminar, there was like 30 or so, 32 wow. maybe. Although the way that your profile is, Alan, it used to be that you had so many of those languages close together in the middle and there's a lot of compression in the middle. That's right. So that would kind of artificially create more crosstalks just because of the nature of those being so close together. That makes sense. So, so cool. find somebody you want to crosstalk with and... Get your slide rule out. Yes. Or if you like, I can give you a link. I have a printable that people can print from my website that will give you actually a printed out blank crosstalk. Do you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? If you go to the show notes for this episode, alanaj.com slash 77, we'll put a link to Allison's Life Language Resources and you can download your own template to do a crosstalk. She's done all the hard work for you. There you go. Perfect. Here's one of the things we'd love to encourage you to do. If you haven't already taken a life language profile, if you go to alanaj.com slash 77, you will find a link there to Allison's website where you can take a profile yourself. You can encourage your loved ones to take a profile. Allison has been very generous in running a promotion that ends later this week. You can get $5 off your profile. But we'd highly encourage you to take a profile. It's incredibly powerful to have understanding of yourself. And the profile that you receive instantly, by the way, once you taken the profile the report that you get is so thorough and so detailed and we have really just scratched the surface uh, and having Allison talk about the seven life languages but there's a whole wealth of information there that will really help you understand yourself and if you give yourself to it it's incredibly helpful in understanding the people around you your spouse your boss the people you work for 
And in many ways, Alison talked about this earlier, it really is like having a light bulb go on above your head and go, oh. And we, we just love it to pieces. All our students, all our staff um, have found it incredibly helpful and we'd encourage you to do the same thing. Well, Alison, where can people contact you if they want more information? The best place would probably be at the website, which is www.taproot7.com, which I'm excited. Early next year, we're rolling out a totally new website and going to do a lot of exciting things with that, like some free consultations and profile stuff. So if you're interested, you can also sign up for the newsletter there and you'll get information as soon as that's up. And uh, you're on Twitter as well? I am. It's Allie Hendrickson. Allie Hendrickson. We'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Well, Allison, we just want to thank you for coming on the show and lending us your expertise and your wisdom and your passion for communication. Um, it certainly shows as you chat about it. <laughs> the hand gestures. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> the things yes. that nobody can see. <laughs> if only they could see the hand gestures. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been so much fun. So good. All right. Well, if you uh, want to look at the show notes for show 77, you will see all the goodies that we've been talking about and all the links. And so go ahead and do that. Next week is a week of Thanksgiving. So we're not actually going to be here. We're going to be taking a break and reflecting on all the things we're thankful for. But that does not mean we will leave you high and dry. We will have a treat for you. Tune in next week for some very special people running our podcast. The regular service will resume the week after. And the discount, as I said earlier, is still eligible for this week. If you've already taken your life language profile, why not buy one for a family member or a loved one? It's a great way to invest in your relationships. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving, all of America. We love you guys. We'll catch up with you in two weeks' time. Bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God the things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 